Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.27 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's the third day of the third month of 2023. This is episode 682 of Bitcoin and F you, Greg. Dude, I'm naming the episode F you, Greg. Greg knows why. If you want to ask why, ask Greg. And then tell him to, you know, whatever himself. Anyway. Something happened with the price of Bitcoin yesterday, and I wonder what it is. I I hear tales on the street of horrors of magnet, you know, and magnitudes that I've never never come to understand before myself. What could it possibly be? Oh my God! Bitcoin long liquidations hit highest level since August, starting with the bad news first. CoinDesk, <clears throat> Amkar Godbold is writing to tell us what the hell happened last night. Bitcoin's early Friday slide, triggered by concerns about crypto-friendly bank Silvergate, shook out bullish leverage from the futures market. Exchanges, liquidated longs, or bullish Bitcoin futures worth over $62 million during the Asian hours, the highest amount since August, according to data from Glassnode. Short liquidations worth just over $500,000 U.S. were also observed. Liquidations happen when the market moves against a trader's bullish or bearish bet, leaving them with insufficient funds to keep the leveraged trade open. Pausing to ask the small question here, are you really still leveraging? Honestly? Really? (laughs) We learned absolutely nothing. Continuing, the dominance of long liquidations shows the leverage was skewed on the bullish side meaning most traders weren't positioned, or rather were positioned, for a price rally. But Bitcoin, the leading cryptocurrency by market value, fell over 5% to $22,000, reaching the lowest since February the 14th Coindesk data show. Shares in Silvergate fell 50%. Now, this we're talking about the bank Silvergate, which I told you about yesterday. It's dead. Shares in Silvergate fell 50% on Thursday after the crypto-friendly lender said it's evaluating its ability to continue as an ongoing concern and delayed filing its annual report with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Bitcoin's late reaction to Silvergate news perhaps stemmed from fears that the crisis at the bank, known to facilitate fund transfers between exchanges and other market participants, may worsen the liquidity crunch in the crypto market. Most exchanges on Thursday announced a suspension of business ties with Silvergate. Okay, so I was recording yesterday, I don't know, let's say I was hitting that story about Silvergate, my time live recording the show around 11 a.m. Pacific Standard, okay? What 
was in complete darkness and who was completely asleep at that time? China, mainland China. I used to keep an eye on this. I used to literally, I would literally have a tab open of the world clock that showed where this showed a map of the world and it showed where the sunlight was versus the night side of the earth. And I, and I, I did that because I can't remember when I was doing that a lot. I think I was doing that while we were running up to 68,000 or something like that. Cause we were getting some really weird volatility and FUD kept hitting. And I wanted to see if I could tell the market, you know, when there would be a market decline when China woke up, well, yeah, apparently last night China woke up and said, Silvergate's dead and said, uh, uh-uh, nope, 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 no. Nope. And we had a cascading effect. They, you know, the, 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 everybody started shorting Bitcoin and, and honestly the rest of the entire crypto market. But we all, we all know who the leader is, but be that as it may, all the guys that were positioned on the long side, and I don't know why you're positioned long in this environment on leverage in this environment, in this, this environment is not conducive to like some kind of massive upswing. It never has been. You just need to go back and look at, at the history. And this is kind of where Bitcoin's been rather weak. I mean, uh, sorry, it just is. It's not Bitcoin that's weak. It's our mental perception of Bitcoin as an asset and its risk and its value and all these kinds of things. These are all part of the human psychology processing what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin doesn't even see us. It doesn't care about the markets. It knows nothing about 25X leveraged long degen traders out there. It doesn't care. It can't care. See, that's the thing. It's not that Bitcoin doesn't care. It doesn't have the capacity to. It doesn't have the inputs to be able to find. It doesn't even know humans exist. Literally, it's just, it's a dumb protocol. And the dumber the protocol, the better I like them. You know, it's like, a, it's like when I go to a barber shop, a lot of people get real chatty with their barbers. I like to shut up and just relax. I don't say nothing. As far as I'm concerned, I'm sitting in a chair meditating for the 30 minutes that it takes for them to cut my hair. And it's not that I'm trying to be rude. And I'm, if they want to talk, I will. But generally speaking, I just shut up. And I want to be a dumb protocol and relax. And Bitcoin is like that all the time. It's in meditation mode all the time. That's why I don't care. But a lot of people do care. So everybody's like, well, what the hell happened last night? Well, I, that's, my, that's my gut feeling is that Asia woke up and took a look at the Silvergate news and said, oh my God, we're all gonna die. And it caused the following to happen. Bitcoin and shitcoin number one drop over 5% in massive sell-off as market continues to digest Silvergate. This is a second one from Coindesk. Coindesk is, you know, generally speaking, I, you know, I might get one out of them, but this is actual news too. And this is written by Samuel Reynolds and Nicholas Day for Coindesk. And they begin, major digital assets plunged as the business day began in Hong Kong on Friday. Okay, so it was not my imagination. Bitcoin and shitcoin number one both dropped more than 5% as customers fled crypto bank Silvergate, whose stock tumbled 58% during US trading on Thursday. Most of the other 10 largest cryptocurrencies by market cap saw declines similar to BTC. 
institutions are a bit jumpy as Silvergate seems to be having issues. <laughs> Nick Ruck of ContentFi, a Web3 venture studio, said in a note to Coindesk, Ruck also pointed to the release of some of Mt. Gox's Bitcoin, which would increase its circulating supply as another source of volatility. This is actually true. The rapid sell-off took a, a, took a toll on major crypto exchange Coinbase, which began experiencing, you guessed it, connectivity issues at roughly 10.20 a.m. Hong Kong time. Other major crypto exchanges, including Binance, Bitfinex, KuCoin, OK, uh, OKX, and Kraken, did not report similar issues, pausing to say Coinbase just doesn't have the back end to be able to handle the load. And they're the largest cryptocurrency exchange. I Well, not, not by volume, but they're the most well-known aside from Binance. And they just cannot perform their function ever. They always go down. People are always stuck with their crap on Coinbase trying to make a trade. Get off Coinbase. If you're just going to degen out for the rest of your life, then I don't know, use a competent exchange like Binance or Kraken for, for God's sakes, because these guys are always pulling their weight. Coinbase does not have the technical capability. They could, if they wished, they got, they probably got the money to, for, to hire a, a good crew and backend infrastructure. And we'll see why I say that in a moment, but right now, why are you using, if you're going to degen out, why are you using Coinbase? They always fail when this happens. Bitcoin's price fell to an intraday low of $22,020 as Asia trading hours began. After remaining roughly steady at $23,500 for most of the past day, it appeared to rebound slightly, recovering to just under $22,400 following the plunge. Uh, shitcoin number one saw a similar pattern, but we don't care about that because it's just a scam. Bitcoin's market cap declined by over $20 billion to 431.9 billion, according to coin market cap. Crypto's overall market cap is at uh, $1.07 trillion. Open interest, open interest in Bitcoin futures was down 8.8% in the last four hours, according to CoinGlass. And they talk about uh, the other crappy coins, and I'm just going to end it there. But it seems that I was correct. And, and these are live reads, guys. And I, I, I guess I'd never really talk about that. Uh, I, generally speaking, I do not read these stories beforehand. The story themselves become a prompt. And if I pre-prompt myself, I, you know, I, there's, there's no reaction. There's no surprise or, or I knew that or something like that. But yeah, these are cold reads. I don't read them before. Some of them I do, but mainly, eh, I don't. I've just been doing this for so long that I don't really kind of have to. I probably should, but honestly, I don't think that would make for a good show. In either event, it looks like I called it. Asia trading hours open. They woke up, read the newspapers or whatever it is they read, and they saw Silvergate died. And they were like, we're, our, our spineless jellyfish-like bodies are just unable to handle this stress. Like, I guess most humans are nowadays. They're just freak out at any given time. And it's times like this that I kind of wish the circulating or the, the max cap on Bitcoin wasn't 21 million. I kind of wish it was 1 million. 1 million. 1 million. 
No, I'm not calling for that. That's never going to happen. We're not going to change the supply because some idiot behind a microphone said, I think it's a good idea. No. But it is times like this when I wish that there wasn't so many people that actually had this asset. They're just not ready for it yet. Their minds are still locked in the legacy financial system, and that will make them dangerous. Depending on your level of how much danger you wish to pursue is probably a reflection of how much Bitcoin you actually have in cold storage. Because if you don't have your Bitcoin in cold storage, uh, you're actually in less danger than we are as far as a fiat price equivalency of Bitcoin is concerned. Because at least you're in an exchange. You can be the spineless jellyfish first. It takes us, the guys that have cold storage, do you have any idea how long it actually would take us to get some Satoshis out of cold storage, send it to Kraken, and try to execute a trade? By the time we even got it to an exchange, all this is over. We don't have the choice to be able to be the spineless jellyfish human. So for all of you guys and gals that have your Bitcoin in cold storage, congratulations, you figured it out. U.S. Treasury probably hasn't. Let's see what's going on here. United States Treasury introduces a CBDC working group. Yeehaw! And discusses the potential routes for a digital dollar. Yay, BTC Casey, take us home. Bitcoin Magazine. The United States Department of the Treasury has released comments from Undersecretary for Domestic Finance, Nellie Liang, uh, on the next steps of the future of money and payments, addressing CBDCs and the approach the American government is taking to their potential implementation. The original Treasury report released in September of 2022, last year, described the formation of a CBDC working group that would advance work on a CBDC. Liang's remark, Remarks confirm the formation of that group. Quote, one of the central tasks for the CBDC working group is to complement the Fed's work by considering the implications of a United States CBDC for policy objectives for which a broader administration perspective is helpful, Liang said. To give you a sense of how we are pursuing this work, I will describe our approach to thinking about CBDC options. The po- Excuse me. The policy questions we are attempting to answer and the kinds of recommendations we hope to develop, end quote. Just put a tie on that suit speak, dudes. Highlights from this description include a look at the potential forms that a CBDC could take, the potential for a separate retail and wholesale CBDC, and the possible core features of the CBDC. Also discussed is the idea that a potential United States CBDC, if one were created, would best serve the United States by being intermediated, meaning that the private sector would offer accounts or digital wallets to facilitate the management of CBDC holdings and payments. In terms of technology, the retail CBDC might involve a different architecture compared to a CBDC that is intended solely for wholesale use, end quote. In his piece for Bitcoin Magazine, Mark Goodwin described how Bitcoin or Bitcoiners may have spent so much time looking for CBDCs that we've missed the private entity stablecoin monster that's right in front of our eyes. The Treasury's released remarks suggest that a CBDC 
may well come on the backs of private entities with major incentives to participate. Yeah, it's called bribery. The United States has gotten serious in regards to its consideration of a CBDC, and all this just as legislation has been introduced by Republican lawmakers that would prohibit the Federal Reserve from issuing a CBDC directly to anyone. Although this bill may not have much of a chance of passing, notable is the specific angle of preventing a federal CBDC potentially leaving free those intermediated by private parties. Aha! The remarks also describe how CBDC is one of many directions for the government to take, another being real-time payment systems. The Federal Reserve, according to Liang, has indicated that it expects to launch the FedNow service this year, which will be designed to allow for near-instantaneous retail payments on a 24-7, 365 basis using an existing form of central bank money, i.e. central bank reserves, <laughs> laughable, as an interbank settlement asset. This would differ from a CBDC in that it would utilize an existing form of central bank money versus the new form of CBDC would introduce. In addition to a potential new set of payment rails, we already have all of this with Bitcoin, guys. We already have it. It's already built. They're really not, they're not doing well over there on, on the other side of the fence, are they? Finishing off, regardless of the path that the Treasury takes, new payment systems are seemingly on the horizon for the United States. And if you allow it to happen, if you take part in this, going to have a bad time. And if the majority takes part of this, and probably will, then the rest of us are not going to have such a good time. Well, I mean, the, you may actually see people just say, I'm done, renounce the citizenship, or first of all, if you're going to do that, probably what you should do, liquefy all your assets into United States dollars, buy a shit ton of Bitcoin, and then leave the United States. Renounce your citizenship. You know, I'm not exactly sure how that works. I'm trying to think of a way where the United States government will say, okay, well, I want, you know, 20% of everything you own for you to renounce your citizenship. Well, I don't own anything. I ain't got a house. All my bank accounts are empty. What are you going to get? You know, it's like I lost it all in a boating accident. You, you see that? It was like I got hacked all over the place. I mean, somebody sold my house out from under me. I know this is ridiculous and ludicrous as it is. It's still a thought that I ponder. How The question is this. How would a citizen of almost any country renounce their citizenship and not have to pay the exit tax because they literally hold nothing of value that anybody else can see. You know, they're, you know, they had, like, if you made it over the border out of, you know, I don't know, Germany, you're an escaping Jewish person and you see the writing on the wall, you'd sell everything and, you know, I don't know, buy gold or whatever and pray to God that they don't find it at the border crossing because they will just confiscate it. I mean, and the guards will probably never even report it themselves. They'll just take it from you and that'll be it. In either event, the situation is, is there a way, if anybody's out there that can ponder this, because I'm not sure, I think what, what might be the situation is that, okay, well, we see that last year in 2022, you had these assets. And then you liquefied everything. And yes, we see that all of your bank accounts are empty. 
you don't hold a deed to a house, you've got, you know, maybe $5,000 in Visa credit card debt. I, you know, what, what do, because they're going to want, like, I think it's 20% to get out of being a United States citizen for the rest of your life. Or, and I don't know what other countries, I'm sure they're all different, but there's some exit tax. What, I mean, do they just say, well, fine, you can't exit because you have no value of last year's value that you did have. I want the 20% of the $500,000 that you did possess last year. Otherwise, we're not renouncing your citizenship. And I'm not even sure what that means. If you just leave the country and say, I'm just done and fake your own death or something like that, you know, how, to what ends of the earth will they, will a government follow your ass? And how much money do you have to have for them to actually do that? Because they want, they, they care enough about it. If you're just like, if you are just a bum on the streets of LA, will they follow you to El Salvador? If you can somehow or another, just walk across the border and get there. See, these are the questions that I'm beginning to ask because everything is so fluid. And the more, the, the more, the more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. And I, I just see people and governments and federal governments around the world just tightening their grip because they're losing control. Yeah, I think that's the only reason anybody tightens their grip because they feel the reins of the horse slipping away from them in their hands so they tighten their grip. Except it's not reins of a horse you're holding. It's a ball of mud and it will just squish right through your fingers. This may all, all this stuff may be going on in Britain too, because they are in fact tightening their grip. HSBC and nationwide banks crack down on Bitcoin and crypto access. BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine, British banks have continued to crack down on their customers' cryptocurrency purchases. According to a Bloomberg report, Nationwide and HSBC are the latest UK banking giants to impose new limits on their customers' cryptocurrency purchases via debit cards and in purchases with credit cards. Quote, Nationwide is applying daily limits of £5,000, which is about $6,000 US, on debit card purchases of crypto assets, the Building Society informed customers on Wednesday, while its credit cards can no longer be used to buy crypto. HSBC said it barred customers from making crypto purchases via its credit cards last month, reads the report. HSBC states that the decision is due to alleged financial risk to customers. The report describes how most of the major UK banks have also implemented exchange-specific restrictions with the world's largest crypto platform, Binance Holdings LTD, the most popular target, quote, uh, end quote. Bitcoin Magazine covered the start of these moves from the UK banks in tandem with increasing discussions of a UK CBDC. Allison Rose, CEO of NatWest Group, described how the bank had taken a pretty hard line on cryptocurrency due to the instability and volatility of the platforms and the risk of fraud citing social media and technology platforms as the fraud's primary source. These new limitations on customers place UK citizens at a further disadvantage in regards to acquiring Bitcoin. As such developments are taking place, it highlights the need for more decentralized peer-to-peer exchanges that can facilitate no KYC Bitcoin transactions. So now Britain, you know, nationwide and HSBC, you know, HSBC, the, the very people that had uh, 
briefcase size windows as deposit slots for Colombian drug lords to be able to give them cash. They were laundering money. They were caught doing it. And now the very same drug lord associated people are telling you how much you can actually spend. Daily limit of 5,000 pounds on debit card purchases of crypto assets. Now, I'm going to be charitable today and say, God dang, I mean, I can do a quite a bit of, I can do quite a bit of, you know, fiat to actual money conversion with 5,000 pounds or $6,000 every single day. I can do quite a bit of damage that way. And if I was a billionaire, then yes, the, you know, now it's a real problem. But I expect that that limit of 5,000 British pounds will decrease over time and probably faster than even I think. And I think it's going to be pretty damn fast. Now, Coinbase has announced a, oh my God, they're buying somebody. After all of this, Coinbase announces the acquisition of One River Digital Asset Management. Turner Wright, Cointelegraph, United States-based cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase has acquired cryptocurrency-focused hedge fund One River Digital Asset Management, or ORDAM. In a March 3rd blog post, Coinbase said One River Digital will transition to become, quote, Coinbase Asset Management, unquote, an independent business and wholly owned subsidiary of the crypto exchange. One River Digital is registered as an investment advisor under the United States SEC and has previously accepted investments from Coinbase to scale its operations. Coinbase and Ordam share an ethos grounded in prudent risk management, a trait which has enabled both firms to successfully navigate the recent market turmoil, said Coinbase. Quote, culturally, our two organizations are strongly aligned on pursuing the opportunity in digital assets with an uncompromising priority on safety and soundness, put a tie on the suit speak. I am so sick of mission statements from institutions with anything over $1 million of assets. It's all the same crap. It don't mean any of that, but let's trudge on. As part of the acquisition, Coinbase said One River Digital's team would join the crypto exchange and that Peters would stay on as leader under the rebranded firm. Yay. The exchange suggested minimal disruption to current business activities amid the transition. You guys can't even keep your shit straight and turned on when you've got a downturn on the BTC price of $1,000 inside of an hour. How do you expect that anything is going to be a smooth transition for the love of news of the acquisition followed Coinbase leading the charge and a slew of crypto firms cutting ties with Silvergate. Amid reports, the bank was under investigation from the Department of Justice over its alleged involvement in the collapse of FTX. The crypto exchange has already announced Signature Bank will take over institutional client cash transactions for its prime customers. Yay! Yay. <laughs> so, but what so where's the silver lining here? I'm not a fan of Coinbase, you guys all know that. That their CEO has always been on the wrong side of history when it can when it comes to actual Bitcoin. I don't think he cares. However, they still have enough money to buy One River Digital. Now, we don't know how much they paid for it. We don't know anything about the transaction. It's possible that One River Digital Asset 
is so underwater and so delighted that anyone would bail them out and, and, and let some of them keep their jobs that they took any price from Brian to buy One River Digital. I don't know. And if somebody does know, let me know. You can actually do that through a Boostergram, which we have right here. 1,000 sats from Gig says Yut. <laughs> Nick underscore dose with 1369 says he's actually getting, he, oh my God, Nick underscore dose wrote a sentence. I'm, I'm amazed. Agree. We need to be supporting our ranchers. Thanks for the reminder. And I'm going to see about joining my state's cattlemen's association. Holy crap. Hopefully I can arrange a site visit too. Cheers. Okay, Nick, a word of advice. If you've never been around these people and you know you've never been around these people, I'm not giving you a warning. What I'm saying is this is all about your perception of yourself. You are, you're fine. These are, I mean, I'm just telling you what I felt. I was, I want to, I don't want to use the term intimidated. I guess I want to, imposter complex is, I think that that's kind of what I was suffering from. Why it took me as long as it did just to join the Cattlemen's Association. I don't know anything about running cow. I don't know anything. Why on earth would they accept me and and let me come in and, and waste their damn time? Because nobody will talk to them except people that hate them. I'm serious. <laughs> they're they're going to be standoffish. It's going to take a while for you, like for them to warm up. But the, I mean, it's not that they're going to be cold automatically. The guys that I'm hanging around with, I sense like a very warm and welcoming front, but there's trepidation in the backgrounds of their mind. How could they not have that? So be aware of how these people are built. They're a little shell-shocked. I mean, PTSD is, a, is probably on their minds because all of them are thinking, not all of them, some of them, you know, are doing so damn well, I, you know, I guess, that they don't have to be worried. But for the great guts and feathers of the cattlemen in the United States, they're worried if they can keep it going as an ongoing concern. That's where they're at. So understand that that's where they're coming from. They definitely want to talk to you. And the more that you engage with them, that's proof of work. And they'll see it. They don't know the term proof of work. But they understand it immediately when they see it. That's why these guys are Bitcoiners and they don't even know it yet. And I told one of the Ryan brothers that exact same thing. We Because I've mentioned it every once in a while. I don't push it, but I do mention it. And he goes... He said, what about that whole, uh, that thing that collapsed? How's that going? And I'm like, oh, I go, the FTX thing. I go, it's not that he goes, oh, well, hell, I probably wouldn't understand it. And I go, oh, no, no, you'll understand it. I just got to figure out a way to explain it that it doesn't take four hours because honestly, you got better fish to fry. And then I said, the thing about it is, is that they didn't have any Bitcoin. And honestly, no matter what you heard, that had nothing to do with Bitcoin whatsoever. It was greed. I go, but you guys are actually Bitcoiners. You just don't know it yet. And he just looked at me and he's smiling. I mean, he's not like, you know, giving me shit about it. But I'm like, I go, it will become clear in time. Let's go feed the cows. Fatoshi with 
three, 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 three says, you talked about doing what you love. Not doing what you love is the cause of all the world's problems. Quit doing a job you hate and do what you love. Fatoshi, I, I agree. It's hard. It sucks. But I'm happy somehow because I don't need to be rich. I just need to be able to wake up dry, have enough food, and have clothes for my kids. I don't need those clothes to be from Versace. You understand? I just need them to be dry and clean. That's it. And honestly, it ain't. It's not that hard. It's it's still difficult, but it's not. It's not that hard. I think the the difficulty comes from everybody telling us what we should want. That our kids should have guest jeans or Versace bags or like some kind of name brand crap that they're wearing, and they don't. Most of the other kids don't either. And if your kid is the only one showing up at school and $500 worth of clothes, they're probably going to catch hell for it. I'm just saying. And uh, Blizza with 200 sat says, boosted. Now, I think these are these are some of the late ones that are coming in from uh, show 680, in fact. And I just, I'm just seeing these now. And like a dumbass, I just clicked over and now I got to go find the boost again. Where was I? Uh, Pitar from episode 680 says, this is important. Inscriptions were possible before Taproot and before Segwit. Four megabyte blocks will be 100% ubiquitous when we reach hyper-Bitcoinization. Listen to Bitcoin Review Podcast episode 24 to learn more. Thank you, Pitar. I appreciate that. And I'm just saying, yes, they were. They were inscriptions were kind of available. I think they're slightly different now because the way they work, but you're a rose by any other name, I think is what we're getting at. We had rare Pepe's and they're still there on the Bitcoin blockchain, on the time chain itself. It's written right there to the transaction is rare Pepe's. There was a whole thing about that in what, 2011, 12, or maybe it was more like 13 or 14. It was rare Pepe's were still a rage and were on the, on the downside, dying down when I entered in tw- uh, summer of 2015. And the rare Pepe and a couple of, it was rare Pepe's and a couple of other things that caused one of my favorite uh, pairs of uh, podcast hosts to part ways. And that would be Chris DeRose and, and Jun Seth. I used to listen to uh, Bitcoin Uncensored all the time back in the day and it caused them to kind of break up their friendship and I I hope that they're still friends but they are certainly not doing Bitcoin Uncensored anymore which is a shame because I rather enjoyed that show but Pitar yes the rare Pepe thing and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's been on the Bitcoin blockchain we it seems to me that the only reason that inscriptions are a rage right now is because they re, they a whole new class of people that are you know interested in crypto assets were made aware that you can do this on the blockchain even though all the old schoolers were already aware that you could do this on the blockchain it was a marketing thing I mean, well it was a marketing effect let's say but be that as it may yes since the very first block was ever done in the block header, not not in the transaction, but in the block header itself was the famous line, 
you know, uh, 2000, the Times of London, 2009, uh, Chancellor on brink of bailing out, second bailout for banks, something like that. So yeah, yeah, let's not fool ourselves. This shit's been around for a while. Uh, Acerus underscore BTC, 2,718 sats. Regarding locating Washington, D.C. in a swamp, it may be apocryphal, but I learned that it was done to make it physically uncomfortable for the federal government to grow. And that was before air conditioning. That wouldn't surprise me. I don't know, because Washington, D.C. is built in a really weird way. If you look at it, look at Washington, D.C. from above. This is getting, this will get into tinfoil hattery. There's Masonic stuff, and I don't know if they're bad or good, and I don't care because I got better fish to fry. There's some, there's just general weirdness going on that looks like it's from a, I don't know, uh, let's just call it ancient angles or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's weird. I just am always going to find that entire thing just entirely too weird. Um, and that's going to do it for. Uh, Boostograms, a reminder before we get into uh, running the numbers, I am currently number 14 on the charts, according to Fountain.fm. That is Fountain.fm. Fountain app is my favorite podcasting 2.0 enabled non-legacy podcast app. If you're using a legacy podcast app, you might as well be in the stone age beating each other up with clubs, right? Get to a new podcasting app. If it doesn't support podcasting 2.0, it's a legacy podcasting app and it's just as good as Fiat. But currently I'm number 14. Can you guys help me get back into the the top 10 slot? I'm getting crushed by Citadel Dispatch, Linux Unplugged, Curry and the Keeper, Bowl After Bowl, Rabbit hole recap. Uh, living up in a down world. Podcasting 2.0's own podcast is even above me, as well as Guy Swan's Bitcoin Audible and No Agenda. Scott Horton, uh, decentralization total. Peter McCormick's bit beating me, guys. Peter McCormick, he's beating me with what Bitcoin did. And then the survival podcast. The very guy that hit me the third time in the face that caused me to buy my very first Bitcoin because it was the third slap in the face. Even he's above me. Guys, I need your help. You do that and I'll run the numbers. Numbers. Give me the numbers. Oil, West Texas, intermediate is up. 1.74% 1.74% to $79.52. Brent North Sea likewise up one and one fifth point to $85.77. Natural gas 7.41% to the upside. Holy smokes. Gasoline itself is actually up as well. Uh, I can't read it. I got a line through my screen. I got a line to dead pixels and it sucks. 1.53% to the upside for gas. China metal rocks are mostly up. Copper is the loser. 0.1% to the downside. Gold, uh, 0.6% to the upside, 1852 bucks and 70 cents. Uh, silver up, 1.36, uh, $21.18 is what I'm seeing. Platinum is up, 1.66%. Palladium is also up, but only by half a point. Ag is generally mixed. Biggest loser today 
Rough rice, 1.34. No, I'm wrong. Coffee just flipped it. Damn it. 2% to the downside. Biggest winner is sugar, 2.95% to the upside. I got Dow up 0.83%. The S&P on fire at 1.29%. NASDAQ swinging for the fences at 1.61%. And the S&P mini is just average at 0.88%. Real money is still having problems. $22,409.34. We've had, what, 373 BTC sent around the horn in Latin. You know I'm wrong. 373,000 BTC have been sent in the last 24-hour period. Average transaction value is 1 BTC. Median transaction value is 0.013 BTC, just under $300. Block times are low, but not hideously. 9 minutes and 25 seconds. We got 0.185 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 28.3 BTC taken in fees overall last 24-hour period. And hash rate just seems to be all over the place. A 11.44% drop in hash rate, and we're still 317.21 exahashes per second. Uh, your crappy crap coin indicator is Dogecoin, as usual, and everybody got blown away. Uh, Dogecoin is now 7.6% United States pennies. Yesterday's show, it was like 8 point, I don't know, 8.2 or something like that. Uh, we have a $432.8 billion market capitalization for Bitcoin. That is 3.5% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you can get 12.3 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,307,001 BTC in circulation. Well, <laughs> out there. Uh, total capacity is... 5,381.65 in the Lightning Network. That is valued at $120.6 million. Being run over 16,247 nodes with 76,081 public payment channels and 68.1% of all of it's being run over Tor. We still have a fairly socked up mempool according to Clark Moody's mempool. 25,564 transactions are waiting on 58 blocks to clear. Uh, although Clark Moody is still flashing one Satoshi per V-byte, I don't buy it, not for one, not for one second. There's an estimated difficulty change of 1.5% to the positive direction coming up on March the 10th of this year. That's going to do it for Vitals. Good mercy. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Debtors declare massive shortfall in FTX assets. FTX US also in the red. Ryan Ozawa from Decrypt.co. A concerted effort to identify and inventory the remaining assets of failed cryptocurrency exchange FTX has revealed, quote, the magnitude of the shortfalls discovered in the fiat bank accounts and digital asset wallets associated with the FTX.com and FTX.us exchanges, end quote. According to a presentation filed by FTX debtors in the firm's Chapter 11 bankruptcy cases on Thursday, $2.2 billion of total assets have been located 
according to the presentation, of which only $694 million U.S. being the most liquid currencies such as fiat, stablecoin, BTC, or shitcoin number one, against these holdings, and another $385 million in customer receivables are $9.3 billion in net borrowing by Alameda Research. It all funneled to Alameda. And FTX CEO John J. Ray III warned that all of the facts are still not in. Quote, it has taken a huge effort to get this far, Ray said. The exchange's assets were highly commingled and their books and records are incomplete and, in many cases, totally absent. <laughs> End quote. In fact, the presentation states that the information provided is preliminary and should not be relied upon for any purpose. But Ray, who also serves as the chief restructuring officer of the FTX debtors group, said sharing the latest information was a priority. Quote, we believe it's more important to provide transparency to stakeholders by making this information public now than to wait until we can achieve certainty, he said. While disgraced FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried has repeatedly claimed that FTX US was fully solvent, the debtors group research says otherwise, quote, $191 million of total assets have been located today in the wallets of the accounts associated with FTX.US exchange, in addition to the $28 million of customer receivables and $155 million of related party receivables, receivables the group states, quote, this compares to $335 million of customer claims and $283 million of related party claims payable. Further quote, unauthorized transfers removed an additional $293 million from wallets preliminarily sourced to the FTX.com exchange and $139 million from wallets preliminarily sourced from the FTX.us exchange, the presentation noted. The presentation also updated the amount of liquid assets currently recovered and held by the debtors group, which grew from $5.5 billion to $6.1 billion since its report in last Jan January of last year. No, sorry, the last report in January. Although the increase is primarily the result of updated digital asset pricing, the group also recovered $202 million held at Alameda, $125 million in stablecoins, and $57 million in assorted cryptocurrency held at subsidiaries. Despite the information gathered to date, the FTX debtor group attached numerous disclaimers to its report, noting that, quote, it is not possible to calculate or predict customer recoveries based on the preliminary information in the presentation, end quote. Reasons cited including, included uh, fluctuating valuations, insider access, commingling of funds, other unidentified claims, and the disposition of over 100 companies comprising the FTX group globally. The analysis is further complicated by the incomplete nature of the books and records and financial information maintained by pre-petition management, the group adds, Ray has previously decried the misdeeds of a very small group of grossly inexperienced and unsophisticated individuals who were at the helm of FTX. Finally, the debtors group revealed more information on daily deposits and withdrawal from both exchanges during the 90 days prior to the commencement of the chapter 11 cases for the exchanges. While the figures unsurprisingly show 
a spike in withdrawals just prior to FTX's bankruptcy. Uh, they also show a spike in deposits attributed to deposits from Alameda. Today's presentation and filings are only the latest update in the still unraveling FTX saga. Quote, this is the second in what the FTX debtors anticipate will be a series of presentations as we continue to uncover the facts of this situation. Now, going back up here, I want to read this again. Ray has previously decried the misdeeds of, and I quote, a very small group of grossly inexperienced and unsophisticated individuals who were at the helm of FTX. How do you think that makes the guys over at JP Morgan feel? Have any idea how pissed off all these people are at this thing? What it really flashes to them is that everybody in the world would rather gamble their hard-earned money on something, on anything that is not a debt instrument, even though they all got wiped out, okay? But they didn't want their derivatives. They didn't want their mortgage-backed loans. They didn't want their equities. They didn't want anything to do with legacy financial markets. And then we wonder why all these governments are trying to completely cripple your ability to buy what you want. And that's the CBDC. These guys, I mean, I don't like Sam Bankman-Fried or his girlfriend or any of the other guys over there because they were all fraudulent. But they played the entire world's population against the entire world's population's control and command facilities. And that is the legacy financial institutions. Because it's all a cabal. It's like setting the price of beef and the small rancher just can't survive because Car Cargill would rather, you know, do business with somebody who can provide them 50,000 head of cattle a year. And that person that can do that, the margins don't matter so much. The guy running 400 head, you can't survive that shit. Not for, you know, especially today, not for very much longer. Not unless we all get together and change shit. You can do that with the Beef Initiative. Go beefinitiative.com to learn more. But getting back to this. The entire world's legacy financial system looked as a bunch of ratty-ass-looking teenagers and 20-year-olds completely showed them up, completely made them look like idiots because they weren't able to sell their products, even though their products were safer. I, I am going to admit that to you right now. That shit would have been safer to put your money into than anything in FTX. And we... Keep trying to warn the world to not buy into the altcoins and the exchanges and all of this. And nobody listens to us. And then, and then they get wiped out. And in this case, you should have put your money in treasury bills. I mean, at least you wouldn't have lost the money. And this, on, and this is what's so funny is that none of this has anything to do with Bitcoin. Yet the minute that you say the word Bitcoin, the first rancher that hears it says, what about FTX? Because there's not a hope in hell that the media that they're listening to is telling them the straight story. It's the same shit anybody else is listening to. It's CNB, CNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC. You know them. You know them. You grew up with them. They will never, ever make, a, like, they might say it once that this had nothing to do with Bitcoin. But unless you say it every single time, 
you will never hammer the idea home to those that are used to listening to CNBC. CNBC themselves would have to, every time they report on FTX, they would actually have to say, and they had no Bitcoin. This has nothing to do with Bitcoin, but they won't, will they? Yeah. JP Morgan, Chase, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, all of them, institutional and retail alike, are looking at Sam Bankman Fried going, how the hell did you do that? And why can't we do that? Why can't we make sales like that? Because nobody wants your garbage. And the alternative that was provided to them got them wiped out. Why? Because humans are greedy. Now, Tornado Cash. Tornado Cash contributor has built a new privacy tool and he hopes it won't trigger the feds. Matt DeSalvo tells us this hopeful story. Well... This guy's hopeful anyway. Decrypt.co. United States authorities last year controversially banned citizens from using the coin mixer Tornado Cash. But crap coin number one developers, I'll just say it, Ethereum developers have been working hard on a solution they hope feds will stay away from, and that's privacy pools. A demo to be released tomorrow of the new coin mixing app lets people send and receive Ethereum, the second biggest cryptocurrency, anonymously. Though this time around, there's a feature that proves the user is not a North Korean bad actor or some other type of criminal. Oh, this should be good. The United States Treasury Department sanctioned Tornado Cash back in August because they said criminals, mainly North Korean state-sponsored hackers, Lazarus Group, were using it to launder their dirty cash. Departments of Treasury's move, which essentially banned Americans from interacting with the app was criticized not only by many in the crypto world, but also politicians like Representative Tom Emmer, who said privacy is normal. And he's actually not wrong. Tornado's cash, Tornado Cash's team was also targeted. Dutch police arrested the app's main developer, Alexei Pertsev. He is set to remain in jail until an April hearing. He's been cooling his heels for a long time. Now, Privacy pools, okay, that's what we're talking about, is privacy pools, that's the thing. The new Tornado Cash is privacy pools, which is currently just a demo and has not been audited, of course, aims to pick up where Tornado Cash left off, but in a way that regulators and law enforcement will leave it alone. No, they won't. Quote, it is not meant to be a final replacement product. It is meant to start a conversation. The man behind the new app, Amin Soleimani, told Decrypt, Soleimani is widely credited as an early contributed to, to contributor to Tornado, although he says he did not contribute to the project's code. Okay. Soleimani, or Mani, told Decrypt that he helped steer the project's direction during its early days, besides contributing to Tornado's initial funding through the developer's Moloch DAO. Oh my God, they named it Moloch? <laughs> <laughs> Bring your children to Moloch, quote, The hope is that regulators are less interested in sanctioning privacy pools because it helps them accomplish their goals, end quote. Privacy pools, which is a fork of tornado cash created by Soleimani and one other developer, works by allowing users to show publicly that their withdrawals are not linked to bad actors. Can you dox yourself anymore? Users can still make anonymous transactions. I don't see how, but there is the option to make it clear that the money being moved is not from something criminal like a hack. The new app works just like Tornado Cash, 
But when users click the option to withdraw funds, they can generate a zero knowledge proof, which publicly shows they are not using a criminal blockchain address, but without revealing who they are. Okay, all right, zero knowledge proofs are used in cryptography to prove that something is known without revealing the known information directly. One of the reasons the Fed sanctioned the app last year was because hackers used Tornado Cash to launder funds from the massive attack uh, on play-to-earn game Axie Infinity. A coin mixer allows users to obfuscate the origin and destination of cryptocurrency movements by grouping various transactions together. Authorities initially said that over $7 billion in illegal funds passed through Tornado Cash since its creation in 2019, though blockchain data, or sorry, yeah, though blockchain data company Elliptic later said in a report that of the 7.6 billion that passed through the app, only 1.5 billion was dirty. Coin mixers, which are used for a number of reasons, are just one of the things U.S. authorities are now paying attention to since launching a tough crackdown on the crypto world. A number of United States lawmakers claim the fast-moving industry's coins, tokens, and apps are favored by criminals. And most politicians, see what I did there? Actually, favored by criminals, period. And most politicians, even those who's like crypto, are at the very least calling for clear regulatory guidelines. Many in the digital asset space are hoping that with regulation, they can still build and use tools that will protect their privacy. There is no guarantee that they, the authorities, won't sanction privacy pools, added Amin. We live in a regulatory by enforcement regime. Well, that's true. See, and that's what's going I don't think this is going to fly. I'm not saying that it's not going to fly because it wouldn't work. You know, I mean, I'm not a, I don't hate all technology just because it isn't included into Bitcoin at this point. Zero knowledge proofs, got to admit, kind of cool, but I don't need Ethereum to do that. I mean, I can see zero knowledge proofs somehow or another being leveraged, maybe even like, well, on, you know, on this, it's like, why not have a zero knowledge proof pool for Bitcoin as a second layer, something that, you know, it, well, it it all becomes so very maniacal at, at this point in my brain that, that it's just better for me not to talk about it. But at one point or another, something like that will end up coming to Bitcoin. Bitcoin will just absorb everything anyway. But zero knowledge proofs, I don't think that's going to be something that the United States government or any of the other Western agencies are really going to care about. They're going to say, shut it down too. It's like, it's not... They don't really care about the North Korean addresses. Your, it's you. It's your money. That's what they want to know about. They want to know about, and they want to know about North Korea too. The whole point is they want to know about everything. They want to control everything. They want to make sure that you buy only what they tell, they tell you you can buy. And if you don't think that that's going to happen, you haven't seen a CBDC in full effect yet. Because it will happen. You won't be, you'll have an allotment of beer that you might be able to buy and unless you know how to brew it yourself. And even then, you know, Mr. Bennett, you've bought quite a bit of malted barley lately. I can't you see you, you know, making that much flour. Uh, I think you're using it to produce alcohol. I think we're going to send the police officers out to take a little look at your property. Guys, this is completely doable. And it gets even more doable the more we travel down these, these types of roads. So just don't fool yourself. 
I don't think privacy pools are going to be any more accepted by any of the federal governments around the world's regulatory bodies than tornado cash was. So just, you know, before you say, oh, we got privacy pools now. Like if you're an Ethereum user and you're listening to this show for whatever reason, because I bag on you guys all the time, then be careful. I don't want you getting in trouble either. You're a human. You have people that love you, even though you hold bags of ETH. I don't want you in trouble. Make sure this crap works and how long you can have to wait. And honestly, I wouldn't use it for an entire year. I, I just wouldn't because I have no, who knows what the hell's behind this thing. So be, be very critical about what you're doing. Uh, let's not do that one. Uh, U.S. lawmakers argue SEC accounting policy places crypto customers at risk. Luke Hoogslut is writing this one for Cointelegraph. Two United States lawmakers have criticized crypto accounting guidelines outlined by the National Securities Regulator, arguing they place crypto customers at greater risk of loss. The guidelines came from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission and became effective in April of last year. The guidelines ask financial companies holding crypto for customers to recognize all digital assets they do not control as a liability. They also state that digital assets should be backed by a safeguarding asset. However, Senator Cynthia Lummis and Representative Patrick McHenry argued on March the 2nd that these guidelines will likely discourage regulated entities from engaging in digital asset custody, which is the opposite effect of what the regulators should be doing. In a letter to ranking individuals with the Federal Reserve System, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and the National Credit Union Administration, the lawmakers argued that while Staff Accounting Bulletin SAB 121, sorry, 121, was intended to provide clarity on accounting treatment for digital assets, it carried negative side effects. They wrote, SAB 121 places customer assets at greater risk of loss if a custodian becomes insolvent or enters receivership, violating the SEC's fundamental mission to protect customers, end quote. The lawmakers argue that the effect of the SAB 121 will be to deny millions of Americans access to safe and secure custodial arrangements for digital assets. The lawmakers also agreed with the breadth of the digital asset definition in SAB 121, arguing that a more nuanced hierarchy for this asset class, which considers the opportunities and risks of digital assets with different functions is necessary. Lawmakers, including Lummis, have kicked up a fuss over the SEC accounting bulletin in the past. Last year, five Republican senators, including Lummis, sent a letter to the SEC June the 16th, sharing their concern that the bulletin amounted to regulation disguised as staff guidance and did not adhere to the Administrative Procedure Act. SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce, or Purse, shared similar concerns on March the 31st, soon after the bulletin was released, noting it was, quote, the way the change is being made rather than the accounting determination itself she took issue with. She characterized the change as, quote, Yet another manifestation of the Securities and Exchange Commission's scattershot and inefficient approach to crypto, end quote. Yep, 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 yes, absolutely. So this is, looks like they're going outside of procedure and trying to make this a regulation through staff, which is a 
sneaky, that's a sneaky, sly, roundabout way to get regulation pushed through without having it go through the proper channels because it would take way too long to do. In either event, how did you, if you didn't understand what I just said, that's fine. All of this stuff is meant so nobody can understand it anyway. The point is, do you self-custody your assets? If the answer to that question is yes, then this has nothing to do with you. If you have all your stuff on Coinbase and Coinbase declares bankruptcy, guess what? Even though they're, they were your assets, because they're held by Coinbase, you got to stand in line to get your own money back. And you're being the pleb that you are, you're not going to get your money back. It's going to be all the big dogs that are standing in line in front of you that gets the money first. And if there happens to be anything left over, when you, like Oliver Twist, hold up your empty little porridge bowl and say, more, please, if you're lucky, you might get some. You probably won't get it all, but more often than not, you ain't getting nothing. That's why you self-custody. So that's what this rule does, is this basically saying, um, yeah, it's like, it's a liability. So therefore, since Coinbase has your funds listed as a liability, um, you're not getting it back if they fold. If they don't fold, well, okay, just not so bad. But you don't have to worry about any of it if you've got a cold card. Just go buy one. Go buy a cold card. And if you have anything outside of Bitcoin, you can't use a cold card because, you know, Novak knows what he's doing. He doesn't want to deal with the rest of the altcoins. It's just Bitcoin. Liquefy all your crap into Bitcoin and then get all of your Bitcoin off of whatever exchanges you happen to have it on and put it on a cold card or at least a wallet address that's generated by a cold card and then use your cold card as the signing device to be able to do stuff with your Bitcoin when you need to. And that cold card means Coinbase going out of business or Kraken going out of business or any of these idiots going out of business don't mean a damn thing to you. That's why I didn't, I didn't blink when FTX went under. I knew all this stuff was coming at one point or another. Some knew it a hell of a lot earlier than I did. But by and large, it was going to fail. And at one point or another, we all noticed it. Well, most of us noticed it before. Some people were literally, truly shocked when FTX went under. And I'm like, damn, how, how did you not see that? But anybody with cold storage, we didn't worry at all about it. And we never will. Last up, Celsius Custody. Finally, their customers have finally begun to withdrawals. Uh, 263 days after they froze. Luke's Hoog's Loot is doing this one also for Cointelegraph. Some Celsius, some Celsius customers have reported being able to withdraw funds from the bankrupt crypto firm for the very first time, 263 days after the lender froze withdrawals in the lead up to its bankruptcy filing. According to numerous social media posts, as of March the 2nd, certain customers who held funds in Celsius's custody accounts have been overjoyed that they were finally able to withdraw their funds from the lenders. These guys are lucky, y'all. Customers report they received an email a few weeks ago listing those who were eligible to remove their funds <laughs> before receiving another one on March the 2nd, noting that withdrawals could now be processed. 
While some users who whitelisted wallets ahead of their withdrawal attempt received their funds within minutes, others pointed to large delays. And there's a couple of Reddit posts here that says BTC withdrawal pending for five hours, 24 hour wait on USDC wallet address whitelist. Another one says, for your information, my USDC transferred to my MetaMask in a few minutes. Glad to have that whitelisted. What do they mean by whitelisted? It means that you pre-KYC AML'd your ass. You gave them everything that they wanted. So you can get your shit out first. And and this is what sucks is that the people that are willing to do that are getting rewarded. And the people that aren't willing to do that are probably not going to be rewarded. Let's go find out. A backlog of withdrawal attempts seem to have built up, however, with some claiming that withdrawal requests are being converted into support tickets that could take some days to process as a result of, quote, too many requests and not enough staff. And here's another Redditor. SR71 says, they converted my withdrawal into a support ticket and told me it might take a couple of days due to having too many requests, not enough staff. Guess I was too slow for immediate transfer. If you hadn't had it on there in the first place, SR71, you wouldn't be writing that. On January the 31st, Celsius published details on who was eligible to withdraw with customers who had only ever held funds in custody accounts able to currently withdraw 94% of their original funds. The custody accounts were only available to United States residents. The withdrawals are restricted to the customers, much to the disappointment of customers with funds and other accounts offered by Celsius. Custody account holders may yet be able to get back the other 6% pending future court hearings and customers who had transferred funds from the earn or borrow programs to a custody account are apparently able to withdraw 72.5% of their money at this point in time, up to a maximum of $7,575. Oh, shit. <laughs> 72.5% or $7,575, whatever number is lower, I guess. The lender had first announced that they would be freezing withdrawals on June the 13th, citing, quote, extreme market conditions before filing for bankruptcy on July the 13th. And again, everybody that had BTC and BTC only in cold wallets didn't bat an eyelash. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. You're headed off to your weekend. Here's a joke to send you on your way. Dad says jokes. What happens when you cross an angry sheep and an angry cow? You get two animals in a bad mood. So bad. It's terrible. I probably should have done you one better for going out into the weekend. But out into the weekend, we are, or you will be soon, or for some people, I guess, are already there. You know, having an an international audience is really confusing. I have no idea what time it is now, like where where the hell I'm at without looking at a clock. I'm just like, uh, I think we should all just be working off a UTC time. I I mean, (laughs) it'd probably be better. So what have we learned today? Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. So the reason that Bitcoin fell on its ass is because of Silvergate. And that, and the fact that when that news was announced, Asia was not generally awake. 
It wasn't until the masses awoke to the rising sun that they figured out that Silver Bank was 100% done for. That is never coming back. I said it yesterday, bankruptcy, restructuring, get some new people in there at the helm. Maybe it'll rise like some kind of weird, sick, twisted fetus from the ashes that came before, but it's never going to be the Silver Bank that we all know and loved before they fell in with Sam Bankman Fried and a whole bunch of other thieves. And there it was honestly, it was their association with all this that's really done them in. Before that, it's not like these guys sucked. They were the only ones that had put enough skin in the game to help, well, Bitcoin companies get off the ground, and sadly, yes, a whole bunch of other crypto companies to get off the ground. But they had proof of work, right? The fact that they started listening to SBF and doing deals with with his crew, that was a bad mistake. People make mistakes. I make them all the damn time. Ask me how I know what a mistake looks like. But if you were wondering what the hell was going on, it's all about that. Except for this. It was made a little bit worse because for some reason, there was enough degen traders that had enough long positions waiting for a huge run-up in Bitcoin with a bunch of leverage on it at the time that you would never do that. If I was degenerate and I was a trader and that's what I did for a living, I, and I don't, I don't trade the shit. I would have either been in a neutral, like a buy and hold position at spot, or I would have literally been in a short sell on Bitcoin because we're that these prices are not all that. It's not that they're not healthy. It's that they're a little weak. There's a, I mean, there's, and it's not, I'm not even talking about the spot price itself being weak. I'm talking about the action over the last few weeks. It's like, eh, for all the terrible news going on in the world, it's like shit like Nigeria. I would have expected to see a little bit more strengthening in the price. And again, not just the fiat price per Bitcoin, but the action over a period of time. There's, that's where you're looking at for strength. I would have actually been in a short position in this last two weeks. Yes, I know you can throw rocks at me. I don't trade this stuff and I will never expect, I hope you don't trade this shit either. And I will never, ever, ever tell you, you should probably open up a long position or you should probably open up a short position. I'm never going to do that because I'm always going to be wrong because that's the way God wants it. But when I keep it to myself, I'm always right, which means that I can't prove to you that I was right. And that's the way God wants it. But I would have literally been short right now. But I'm never going to short Bitcoin because I don't care about the fiat side. And if you are shorting and longing, you don't care about Bitcoin. You just care about fiat. That's the way it is. If you're saying, well, I'm helping price discovery. No, you're not. You're worshiping the dollar or you're worshiping the pound. Okay, so stop fooling yourself. Stop lying to yourself. If you're really going to be a Bitcoiner, then be a Bitcoiner. You buy Bitcoin, you hold Bitcoin, you never sell Bitcoin unless you're about to die or somebody's holding a gun on you, okay? I think I could forgive you for that kind of shit. Nobody should die for anything, honestly. Uh, we got, oh, the whole CBDC dollar working group. The United States is going to fall in line with the rest of the world because they have to. Not because they're being told to, but because they're the dollar is already kind of losing. And it has been losing. 
and they know that what they see under the hood of the at least the United States part of the financial system of the world is so much worse. That engine is so much more broken and they know it, but they will never tell us. We know it's broken, but we have no idea just how bad it is. We're pretty sure it's bad, but I guarantee you that that Yellen and all the rest of these people, they're shoving their head under the hood. They're like, how does this thing even turn over anymore? It's bad. They don't want to lose any more ground. They're going to. Nothing's going to work for any of these people. I'm just going to say that right straight up. That's a prediction I will make. Nothing they do is going to work. It may look like it works, but it's not going to actually work. Nobody has the technology, the technological background to be able to do this shit. The people that actually know how to function, how to put something like this together and make it rock solid and actually work are all working on Bitcoin. They're not beating down. They're not going up to the Fed going, can I have a job for $80,000? No, where they are is working damn near for free on Bitcoin because they know humanity is at a turning point. You're in the middle of a renaissance. You're in the middle of a renaissance. If you ever wondered what it was like to live in the renaissance, not the aftermath, not, you know, not like a hundred years before the renaissance, literally right as the renaissance is occurring, you're in a renaissance and you don't know it. All these guys that are doing the CBDCs, they think they're going to win, but they don't know that they're not. (laughs) This shit will clear your Clear the filters from before your eyes if you lit it. And then you will finally see the truth. Sad that the truth is ugly. I wish the truth could be beautiful. But the truth of the of the of where we are right now is sad. It's ugly. But we're still going to win. That's what's so amazing about it. We're still going to win. You go out. You have a good weekend. You buy Bitcoin. You hold Bitcoin. You don't sell Bitcoin. Drink a few beers for me. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.